I'm Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. Hello everyone and welcome. Today is a special day for several reasons. Today marks the 10th episode of this podcast, hooray! But it also marks my first interview episode. And the interview is with my very good friend and colleague, Natalia Lumby. And we're talking about the very fun and trendy topic of hand lettering. I'm excited. Let's begin with a little bit about our topic today, hand lettering. Before we can understand hand lettering, we must first understand the primary difference between hand lettering and calligraphy. So while hand lettering is the art of drawing letters, calligraphy is the art of writing letters. It's a subtle difference, but the former is much more strongly rooted in drawing artistic forms, while the latter is penmanship. Hand lettering is much more about experimentation, while calligraphy was the primary method of writing books before the advent of printing, called illuminated manuscripts, and after that, too, for that matter. All books before the mid-15th century were written by hand. This was obviously an incredibly time-consuming process, and Gutenberg modeled his famous typeface black letter after the calligraphic letter forms of the time. Furthermore, hand lettering is most commonly used as display type, for short passages and for emphasis perhaps, where calligraphy is most commonly used for long blocks of text. Both hand lettering and calligraphy have rules and best practices, however, there's more room to play and break convention when hand lettering. Now, while we're at it, why not, let's throw the term typography into the mix, which is different from both hand lettering and calligraphy because it refers to a repeated system of letters. So when using a digital font, typography refers to taking letter forms that already exist, typefaces, and arranging them in an aesthetically pleasing way for an intended audience. Now, just to throw in a twist, hand lettered or calligraphic type drawn by hand can, and sometimes are, digitized to create a font. When selecting and using these hand-lettered or calligraphic fonts to create digital design projects, you've moved into the realm of typography. So while typography is like taking a box of spaghetti and a jar of spaghetti sauce and making dinner, calligraphy is making spaghetti sauce and the spaghetti from scratch. Hand-lettering also requires making the pasta and sauce from scratch, but you can have some fun playing with different pasta shapes perhaps, or infusing unique flavors into the sauce. Hungry yet? And now on to a brief history of today's guest. Natalia is an assistant professor at Ryerson University, who works in the School of Graphic Communications Management. She is an award-winning instructor who has a passion for typography and design in the realm of consumer packaging. Her latest work includes research and book chapters for the beverage industry. That's fun. She also has a passion for hand lettering, and she's taught workshops and produced beautiful work on a variety of occasions. 
For my birthday a few years ago, Natalia even took me to a watercolor hand lettering workshop. I was not terribly good at it, but it sure was fun, and it was fun watching all of the other participants' reactions when Natalia's letter forms were near perfect from the first stroke. Hi, Natalia. Hi, Diana. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how your passion for hand lettering really started? Uh, sure. So I am a little bit of an uh, artsy fartsy type person. I've always been creative. I come from a creative family. Uh, and so that's always been encouraged. I can't bounce a ball for the life of me, but I can draw and have always enjoyed that. Um, and I guess what happened is as responsibilities in life started rolling out and I had to do uh, things that are a little bit less enjoyable, I had less and less time to be creative. And so one of the stumbling blocks for me was always, you know, if I do have the time to sit down and draw, what do I draw? Where do I start? Um, and so uh, hand lettering is unique in that because letters have their own shapes already, you can really uh, get going right away without any sort of delay and creative block. Uh, and so that's why I really love hand lettering. Um, I got started because hand lettering is everywhere now and I'm a big fan of Pinterest and it just sort of came up in a bunch of Pinterest locations. Um, and then I ended up going to a live workshop with the likes of you uh, and really sort of fell in love with it there, put it away for a few months, didn't think about it again, and then just really started to get hungry for uh, having a creative outlet and just started to revisit it and practice and practice a little bit more and get into it that way. So why do you think it is so popular? I mean, there has been a huge resurgence and why, why are people attracted to hand lettering, do you think? I think, uh, so there's a certain aesthetic in hand lettering that's very crafty. And I think craft in general has made a, a really big comeback. Uh, we see it used a lot in marketing and branding today uh, in a variety of industries. So you can see it in food and healthcare. People are just sort of craving that uh, like authentic handmade look and drawing letters really has that feeling. So each letter is sort of like perfectly imperfect. It doesn't look machine made. And I think that's what people really love and gravitate towards. I think that's an interesting point. And I also think it's interesting uh, and it's a good link perhaps to your professional expertise, but we're seeing that a lot in um, the, I mean, the, the beverage industry, the beer industry. So craft breweries and the big guys trying to mimic the, some of the hand lettering or some of the kind of small artisanal, the look of a craft brewer. So that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of those um, looks and those the feel of those labels, some of those labels would have been hand lettered or stamped on at a historical point in time. And so just sort of coming back to that. And in fact, you know, if you think about craft beer in particular in Ontario and in Canada, those are very small batch uh, communities. They're making those beers. Uh, we have a local brewery in my neighborhood and they bottle four beers at a time. Every time they're pouring a beer, it's four beers at a time. And so I think it matches sort of the um, feeling of the actual brand really well because it feels really handmade for sure. Yeah, beverage is huge for hand lettering. So in your opinion, what actually makes a hand lettered piece strong? Ah, great question. Um, so 
it takes a really, really long time to become excellent in hand lettering, in typography, in knowing letters. They're so intricate and so specific. Uh, but interestingly, I think it takes a pretty short time to be okay at it. And that's really encouraging for people who are beginning. Um, anytime you get into something creative, you sort of want to get over the point of sucking, right? Like you want to get just that little bit better. <laughs> and so hand lettering is really great at getting you started. You've been writing for such a long time in your life. And so it's just a few like little stumbling blocks and then you can sort of be better. Um, I think specifically when I'm looking at a piece, it's actually not the letters that you create. It's the space between the letters. So a really seasoned letterer looks at the space left behind the white space, the background space uh, behind the letters. Um, oftentimes when we first start, our letters become quite crowded. Um, there's sort of not enough breathing room in the piece because, you know, we have shaky hands and we're sort of trying to go along as best as we can. That's different from, you know, meaning to crowd your letters. And I think that becomes obvious when you look at the piece, but just creating some space in the letters and in between the letters is important. Um, and then the other thing that you'll notice when you're looking at pieces that are done by professionals is the letters have a specific tilt or axis um, as the, the lettering continues. So oftentimes hand lettering is unique in that the letters jump around on the baseline and that's the line that lowercase letters normally sit on. And so in hand lettering, we move that around and that's part of what makes a hand lettering piece dynamic. But if you are starting to get really good at your craft, even though you move the letters up and down from that baseline, the tilt or axis of the letter stays the same, which basically means I can hold my hand steady as I'm lettering. And that's sort of like a show of a good quality piece. Yeah, that's that's interesting when you talk about the baseline and the fact that that's, that is the constant when you're talking about designing a typeface but, or using a typeface, but when you're talking about hand lettering, all of a sudden that jumps around and that, yeah, that's not necessarily something I even considered as part of the, the process of hand lettering a piece is that that baseline does jump. And, and it's what makes hand lettering so authentic. So there's a lot of typefaces that mimic hand lettering coming out now and they're really wonderful, uh, but they'll never be able to replicate the hand-drawn feeling because you can't anticipate in the combination of letters when I'm going to move the baseline and when I'm not going to move the baseline in the same way that you would um, in a font, right? Like you can't keep it as consistent as you said. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what is your favorite hand-lettered project ever that you've worked on? Uh, so I've been really lucky. I've had quite a, a few really fun experiences through hand lettering. Uh, one of my favorite uh, occasions was I got to uh, run a workshop while very, very pregnant with my second daughter um, at a gallery downtown, an art gallery downtown. And it was interesting to me because I wasn't the one who organized the workshop. It was the gallery who organized it and just invited me. And so the people who were present in the workshop were sort of all over the the city. It was like uh, people coming in to do lettering for a, such a broad variety of reasons. Some had never done it before. Some had dabbled in it here and there. Some were creative. Some weren't creative at all. Um, and so it was a really interesting group of people. And of course, because I, you know, spread the word about the workshop as well, I had a few past students and some friends attend, which was really sweet to have them in this sort of like group of strangers. Um, so I really enjoyed doing that. 
Um, and then I had another occasion, which I thought was really interesting, um, at a local um, yoga studio called Toronto Yoga Mamas. Um, they were doing sort of like an evening for new moms, and we had an intention setting workshop where uh, people sat with me and hand lettered just a few words like joy, happiness. Um, and I taught them how to, how to do uh, that with the pens available there, the markers. And it was really interesting because they weren't necessarily creative at all. They didn't sign up for a creative process. So it was really cool to see them sort of work through being able to do that. It's always really um, nice to see how surprised people are in their abilities to hand letter. It's, it's quick to get started sort of deal. That's great. That's really neat. I wish I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a specific uh, project that you've worked on recently or in the past that you're really proud of or anything that, that stands out from an actual physical material standpoint or something that, that you've created that you can show off to the world? Hmm. So I started hand lettering. One of the reasons I started hand lettering because is because my kid used to say these funny little cutesy things that that I really wanted to sort of uh, remember. And so I started hand lettering the things that she said. That's sort of like the start of uh, doing um, passages of text. Um, and from that, I got some new opportunities. And I think probably the most interesting one that I've had so far is working with the Social Venture Zone at Ryerson, um, which is basically uh, a hub for uh, socially focused entrepreneurs. They do a lot of social innovation. and. Uh, what I did for them is they have a big conference um, and I created some art installation pieces for their conference using conductive ink. So Ooh. I painted, yeah, it was really neat. Um, I painted quotes that they said in interviews um, using the conductive ink. And then when people uh, were at the conference, they were able to touch the posters that I created and they would hear the voices that spoke the quotes, uh, as well as linking them to actual videos that we took of the interviews. So it was a really interactive exhibit and really neat way to link something that's so sort of um, handmade with yeah. something that's so technological. Yeah, and that was uh, that was a really neat project. And in fact, you introduced me to that ink company, the conducted <laughs> there. So hats off to you again. I was going to say it kind of it comes full circle for both of us because we both went to that first hand lettering workshop together. Uh, I showed you that that conductive ink company. And then I've also I went and, and saw that exhibit and I thought it was a really neat interactive piece, as you said, that kind of took old school hand lettering, new school technology and married the two. Yeah, super fun. That's my favorite thing to do, I think. The old and the new. Yes, yes, I love that. So what, other than conductive ink, when you get to do really cool projects, what materials and technologies do you use when you're hand lettering typically? Like, what's what's your process? Yeah, so um, I would say that my process is split into two sort of sections, the analog and the digital. So if I'm drawing on a, a piece of paper, then usually I start out with a pencil, uh, sort of nail the placement of the letters because hand lettering is so dynamic. You just want to see the piece and then be able to erase and keep going. Uh, and then typically I work with uh, brush markers or brush pens and a really smooth grade paper like a marker pad. Um, and that would be sort of what I do in an analog context. Um, more often than not, though, I'm working digitally now just because it's a little bit faster and it gives you that finished piece a little bit faster, a little bit less messy as well. Um, and that I do on an iPad and I have an iPad Pro with an Apple Pencil, which I love. It's sort of the only tablet device um, 
that I've found so far that really feels authentically like you're writing with the, the implement that you're holding, which is really neat. Um, and it, it produces a really clean piece. I can erase and go over things and choose different styles of brushes without having to buy 101 markers, uh, which is really nice. Uh, and uh, when I do that process, I use an application called Procreate, which is very, very popular in the painting and illustration industry. A great little app that you can buy, not too expensive, really powerful. So if someone didn't have all of that technology, where do they start with materials? If they wanted to try it out for the first time, they've got um, very few resources, but they want to give it a go, what, what should they start with? Yes, don't run out and buy an iPad and an, and an Apple Pencil because you want to try something. That's a pretty expensive way to go about starting hand lettering. I would actually really recommend kids Crayola markers to begin with. Not the super pointy ones, but the fat ones for, for children with a, like a fat pointy tip. Um, so those are really great for beginners. Um, essentially, when you're starting hand lettering, it's a little bit easier to work with a tip that's firm on a marker as opposed to something that's um, uh, like soft as you use it. And so in the hand lettering space, often you'll hear people reference um, uh, Japanese pens uh, by a company called Tombow, um, and they're called dual tip pens. And basically one side of the marker has a firm tip and the other side is essentially a brush. And because that brush is soft, it takes a little bit of learning to figure out how to control the brush. Whereas a Crayola marker isn't soft. And so it's a little bit more forgiving when you're hand lettering uh, and a really great place to sort of start to play around. Um, the other thing that I would say that's really important is to invest in a good quality paper, uh, especially if you're starting to work with paint or markers because those things tend to be quite wet and they bleed into the paper. And so you'll get better results with a high quality uh, paper. It's not um, super cheap. You wanna look for uh, like a marker grade paper, like a marker pad. Um, and if you've been using regular bond printer paper, then the, the price could be a bit of a sticker shock, but I'd say you could get a fairly good paper to practice with for about, I don't know, 20 bucks a pad or maybe a little bit less than that, or just that regular bond copy paper more so than sketchbook paper. So sketchbook paper for pencil for charcoal tends to be um, quite textured and it doesn't work very well for markers. That's, so that's, I hadn't thought of that. And this yeah. is talk paper scissors after all. So talking about paper is, is a very... Key is a key thing. I agree. That's right. Paper is a key ingredient in lettering. You'll be very frustrated with yourself if you choose the wrong paper because, uh, you know, like every sort of shake of your hand will be pronounced by the, the incorrect paper choice. So like a hard, smooth paper is what you're looking for. Great paper advice. I love it. So do you have any more advice for novice hand letterers to improve their craft? How do you, how do you go, how do you take the next step in your hand lettering journey? I think once you get going, just stick with it. And I, uh, you know, like I really, when I look back at some of the first things I made and my friends were so kind and, and uh, forgiving of my novice self and uh, it's sort of cringeworthy now, but you do progress quite quickly in hand lettering because we all have that hand uh, memory, that muscle memory already because we've all been writing for you know lifetimes. Um, so sticking with it, just continuing to practice. I know that that's maybe a little bit disheartening to hear there's no sort of like magic bullet to hand lettering um 
And I would say in terms of like the technical specifics of improving your hand lettering, just remember that that's those spaces between letters and within the letters themselves. So the counters of the letters, meaning the insides of the letter A or the letter O, those are important spaces. Um, so just go slow and give your letters space and they'll just, they'll get better uh, so quickly if you stick with it. Sure. Yeah. And I think you bring up a great point in the fact that we have all been hand lettering since we were probably three years old. So it's something that is is inherently our muscle memory understands how to draw letters. And so just sticking with it and trying to, to nail this style of hand lettering is not easy, but it's something that we're already it's built into our our kind of our brains. Absolutely. Yeah. We've been practicing for so long already. And I think the other thing to consider is oftentimes when people start hand lettering, they try to copy things that they see, which is a natural starting point. Um, But nothing kills your willpower like comparison, especially to people who've been doing it for years. Right. So know that um, your specific hand lettering is unique and creative because of your handwriting. And so it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to look a specific way. It's yours because of the way that you do it and your specific muscle memory. And that's something to be celebrated, you know, not to practice out of your hand, but, but encourage. In that, do you have any favorite hand letterers who you follow online or, or anyone that you can recommend people check out? I do. Absolutely. So um, I would say um, I have a, a couple of lo- local to Toronto recommendations that y- you guys should absolutely, absolutely check out. Um, one website and Instagram account is called Ligatures YYZ. Um, and that is a really amazing repository of people who are in the craft of hand lettering professionally. They do workshops as well. On their website, you'll find like a huge list of hand letters that you can pull from. Um, that's fairly easy to reference. Um, also, if you have a general interest in hand lettering and typography more broadly, there's a couple of Instagram accounts that I really love and they do some neat challenges in hand lettering. And those would be Type Gang and Good Type. Both of those do quite a bit of sort of uniquely lettered uh, items. And then for uh, uh, whatever reason, I'm really into murals and sort of like lettering at a really big scale. I think that's a really impressive way to draw letters. And I think people who draw signs inherently understand so much about letters. They have so much to offer. Um, So a couple of accounts that I really love is uh, Ben Johnston, who uh, works locally in Toronto, and then uh, Timothy Goodman, who is a New uh, York-based designer. They both do incredible work. I know you and I saw Timothy Goodman um, perform at a design conference, and he was amazing. And so I love the work that he does. Really different styles, the two of them. So you can really see how different hand lettering can be. Uh, depending on how you choose to express your style. There's one more artist actually that I forgot. Her name is Erica and uh, on Instagram, you can find her under EP lettering and her work is sort of more calligraphy, I would say, uh, focused than than hand lettering specifically or like at the cross section of the two, but she does incredible work. I can watch her use a pencil all day long. It's amazing. That's great. That's the, yeah, those are some really good good links and good accounts to check out. And I actually, I meant to, to chat with you about this as well. I recently was introduced to the world of calligraffiti. Have you heard of this? Meaning murals of calligraphy 
yeah, and was? basically, so yeah. that idea of marrying old and new and, and some of the, um, the amazing work that's being done by designers all over the world are these, these graffiti artists who are taking this old style lettering, this old style calligraphy and marrying it with, uh, with graffiti, with street style graffiti and, and kind of clashing those two very, very different worlds. Yes, there's uh, the work being done on city walls in terms of typography and hand lettering and calligraphy is absolutely breathtaking because, you know, what's unique about letters and drawing with letters is in addition to creating something beautiful, you're also communicating a message, right? So people are interacting with the work a little bit differently because they are looking and they are reading. Um, and I think that makes the experience quite a bit different. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for bringing that up. I'm going to look at it more. I love it. All the hashtags to find. (laughs) So I I want to start a little tradition here with our talk paper scissors guests. You are our first guest. So I have a final question. If you could only use one typeface for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? This is an awfully hard question. It's a big question. I really dislike you for having this question as a tradition, but I love you. Um, so I chose a typeface by, uh, Mark Simonson, which is a typographer who is, uh, still alive and kicking and, uh, designing typefaces today. And the typeface that I chose, uh, is called Proxima Nova. Um, you probably, I love this typeface. Yes. You probably see it everywhere. It is like the perfect marriage of old and new to me. And I have to say a hats off to, uh, Jay Wong, who introduced me to it, who is, uh, our, one of our colleagues at Ryerson university. Uh, I'm in love with this typeface. It could do anything and everything, especially with the way that, um, he's created the different weights. Now I'm not hundred percent sure of this. We'd have to check with Jay, but I think I introduced Jay to it. <laughs> I may be making things up, but I'm pretty sure I did. (laughs) We're so interconnected. Look at that. And did you know that, that, so this typeface is actually incredibly interesting because it also, it was developed in 1994 was the first iteration of it. So, I mean, it's been around for a long, long time, but it's been picked up, um, I guess more recently, um, and it's more mainstream more recently. So I absolutely love it. All of my Google Docs are in this typeface. So amazing. We're on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a resurrection essentially, right? It got picked up, I think, by Rolling Stone and became popular as a result, right? So some of the things that popularize typefaces is just pop culture. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what's al- allowed Mark to now be a typographer full time, right? Just these typefaces being picked up again. Absolutely. Absolutely. But how forward thinking is he, right? 1994. How could he have known that that's what would be good looking in 2020? Right. Yeah. He was ahead of his time. All right. Well, thank you, Natalia, so, so much for being our very first guest on Talk Paper Scissors. And I look forward to seeing all of the work that you do in this space in the future. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. there you have it. Another episode is in the books. Thanks for hanging out with me and I look forward to the next time we get to talk paper scissors.